Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading Exodus 16, verses 19 through 36. Now, in the first half of uh, Exodus 16, this is where God has provided miraculously food for the Israelites while they're in the wilderness. Uh, he's Manna has uh, it's basically fallen from heaven like the dew, uh, and it covers the ground every morning, and they're supposed to go out and they're supposed to gather it every day. And so uh, we pick up here in verse 19. When Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. And, but by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, Eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. The Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like honey wafers. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, Get a jar and fill it with two quarts of manna. Then put it in a sacred place before the Lord to preserve it for all future generations. Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He eventually placed it in the Ark of the Covenant in front of the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. The container used to measure the manna was an omer, which is one-tenth of an ephah. It held about two quarts. All right. We're talking about manna. Mmm, manna. So good. Except actually on the second day, then it's maggots, which is awesome. There's nothing like a good Bible text about maggots. Okay, so what's, what's going on here? The people had been in the wilderness, and in the wilderness, there's not a lot of food for so many people. So God provided this stuff called manna. It's a supernatural provision because the stuff just shows up on the ground, and you can take as much as you need, and you can eat it. But Moses tells the people, don't take any more than you need. So some of the people go out, and they take more than they need. Because, of course they did, right? Did we expect anything else by this point in the story? So then, God is going to use this stuff to teach his people about Sabbath. And he is going to provide extra on the sixth day, and it will keep overnight. So Moses says, collect extra on the sixth day, but don't try to collect any on the seventh day. 
So some of the people try to collect some of them on, on the seventh day. And, of course, they don't find anybody. Does anybody else at this point in the story feel like Moses is basically the dad and Israelites are his kids right now? Right? What do you say? Don't touch that. The child touches it. Don't say that. The child says it. Literally, just this minute, as I'm typing this up, my kids are in the backyard taking advantage of this crazy warm February afternoon, and my son comes in the door. Shut the door, I said. The child keeps walking. Shut the door. He keeps walking. Shut the door. Shut the door. Child says, huh? Sound familiar to anybody? Does anybody know uh, a person or, or have a child who has to learn everything for themselves? You, you tell them, that's hot. Oh, well, just let me touch it and see how hot it really is. Right? You know one of those? Moses says, don't take extra. So they take extra. Moses says, don't try to get some on the Sabbath. So they go looking on the Sabbath. And so verse 28, the Lord asks Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? I'm going to put that on a poster and I'm going to hang it on a wall in my house. Lord, how long will these children refuse to obey my instructions? That's a parent's prayer right there. Okay, so the whole don't gather more than you need probably makes some sense to us, right? Because that's what we would tell our kids if we were like at a restaurant in a buffet line or something. Don't take more than you need. But what's the deal with the sixth day gathering extra and then no gathering on the seventh day? If you've read uh, the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, we read about how God made the world in six days and then on the seventh day he rested. Now, We should understand, God was not tired at this point, right? He did not need a day to recover from his busy week. He set an example for us in what he did. Six days to work, one day to rest. That principle is called the Sabbath. So here in the wilderness, God is getting his people used to the Sabbath. Now, where had they just come from, right? Egypt, where they were slaves. Do you suppose that they had a day of rest in Egypt? Not likely. Slaves didn't usually get weekends off of slavery. So understand that this is probably against the people's nature to take a day of rest. Do you know anybody in your life who it's against their nature to actually take a day to rest? Yeah, me too. But God is using this food that he provides as a way of teaching the people about Sabbath again. And and this must feel a bit burdensome because Moses is having to explain the Sabbath. Like, look, Sabbath is a gift. It's God's gift to you. It's not just some random rule, right? The Sabbath rest is a blessing that God gives to his people. Now, Eventually, the Sabbath kind of did become something of a burden, didn't it? By the time of Jesus, uh, there were all these debates among religious leaders about what was and was not lawful to do on the Sabbath. How far are you allowed to walk before it constitutes doing work? How much weight can you carry, right? They spelled out all these rules and regulations that were actually quite difficult to follow. So observing the Sabbath kind of became all about work, actually. I think, 
taking something uh, like a gift, uh, the Sabbath, and turning it into work. That's pretty typical of us, I think. We've seen this here in our West Michigan culture to some extent. It wasn't too long ago that if you lived someplace like Grand Haven or Holland, Michigan, uh, that there was an expectation that certain places were closed on Sunday. Things like mowing your lawn were not done, right? These were rules to follow. But in all those rules, the Sabbath didn't feel terribly freeing, did it? It kind of became more of a burden. And so Moses is explaining to the people, listen, the Sabbath is a gift, Right? Later on in the Bible, Jesus actually said something very similar sounding, though it was in a different context, when he said, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Now, usually when I tell my kids something to do or not do, there's a reason behind it. Right? Don't do it this way because it won't work out for you and you'll actually hurt yourself trying. I have a lot of years and wisdom and experience that, that they don't have. That's why I give the instructions that I give. So, God is telling the people through Moses, listen, I'm not just making up random rules, right? This, it's not like, hey, let's have every seventh day be silly hat day. You must all wear silly hats and walk backwards throughout the camp. No, this isn't, this isn't some random thing just for the fun of it. There's, there's actually a reason behind it. And so for 40 years in the wilderness, manna was their reminder It was a reminder that God provided just enough and that he would provide so that the people could rest. The similarities between Jesus in the New Testament and Moses in the Old Testament are really striking. How about this one from Jesus when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'm getting the feeling that rest is actually a sign of faith. And that maybe lack of rest could be a sign of a lack of faith. This can play out in a couple of ways. The the first one, materially, to say, is God really going to provide for me? You know, I, I, I might feel like, well, he might not. God might not provide for me, so I'd better gather all that I can. When it comes to money, for example, it's kind of the age-old question, how much is enough? And, of course, the answer is just a little more. Always just a little more. It's hard to be satisfied with what we have because what if we need a little bit more? What if we're just a little bit short? What if we just need a little bit more? Putting our faith in God's provision means that if we truly need more, that we believe he will give us more. The second way I think this plays out is uh, spiritually to think, will God really accept me? You know, he might not, so I'd better do all the best Christian stuff that he's ever seen, right? I'd better work really hard and clean myself up, get rid of all my sin and bad habits so that God will want to have me around. I need to make myself acceptable to him. Now, that is a totally normal way to feel. And sometimes we all want to act that way. It's, it's the old, uh, you know, I can't go to church today after the week I had, right? I'll try to do better this week so that I can go to church next week. But that's got it exactly backwards, doesn't it? Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Jesus offered rest 
specifically rest from some of those religious rituals that felt so burdensome and continually reminded people of how much they didn't measure up. The truth is, you don't measure up. Neither do I. But since we can't get ourselves together enough to be who God wants us to be, I think maybe let's rest together in the confidence that God will provide what we need. Let's pray. God, I want to be a person of faith. I want to have the faith to be able to rest in who you are and in what you have said and in what you have done. So God, show me where I'm, um, where I'm not resting because of lack of faith, because I'm panicked, because I, 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 I think you're not going to provide for me. I think that if it's to be, it's up to me. And, uh, and God, that's, that's, not, that's just not true. Um, but it's how I feel sometimes. And so, God, uh, would you show me where, where those places are? when that happens. For all of us, uh, I pray that we would rest today in who you are. I pray that we would know that you um, provide and that that is where we find our hope today, um, the, the confidence to just be uh, who you made us to be. Help us to follow you in that today in your name. Amen. Have a great day.